Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, good to see you this morning. It's great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Good. We have a couple interesting things to talk about, and they're both of equal interest to me in, in, in many ways, because one is it looks like the FBI might be put on the defensive. The American people are getting to see some film, 40,000 pages or minutes of film of what was going on on January 6th. But everybody knows what's going on. Why do we have to look at it? Why should the American people be burdened by looking at this stuff? Because there was an insurrection there and, and they've convicted people. They still have people in prison and Trump has been punished by doing this. And they, they really just about can't do any more harm. Except that even that backfired. Maybe justice was really on on uh, his side to begin with, because the more they threw at Trump over these false accusations about January 6th, the more popular he became. So that's a bit of irony. But uh, you know, there were a lot of pros and cons, and we talked a lot about the new speaker, uh, and uh, and yet he came up this weekend. He said he was going to do it, and he's releasing. 40,000 hours of films about what went on January 6th. And, and that to me is just going to be, you know, a real, a real help for us to sort this out. You know, uh, there, there was one headline that caught my attention to tell you how ridiculous this whole thing has been, this, this kangaroo court. I, I just don't know why there wasn't more stink made about it, but there was little... All this film to tell about the insurrection that people were being crucified over and nobody was allowed to see them. Now they're coming out. So that is terrible that it, they weren't allowed to use it in a case. Uh, that, that whole trial should have been thrown out. And yet they've convicted a lot of people. Some people are still in prison yet. It's, it's really a, a crime in itself. But here, here is an, an article that says the FBI lost count of how many paid informants were at the Capitol on January 6th and later performed audit to figure out the exact number of ex-officials were in there. So there was a lot of suspicion and they'll see it. No wonder they didn't want to show the films. There was an indictment against the people saying that there was an insurrection going on. In, in, in the truth, what they were doing to prevent this truth from coming out, they were closer to being the insurrectionists than the people who went visit the Capitol and uh, got a little bit rowdy. So it, it to me is just just atrocious of what went on. So I was delighted to know about this. I hope nothing fades on this. I hope there's no redactions. You know, say oh well, well we better blank this out. So let, let's see what happened. But uh, it's a good sign, uh, you know, we uh, aren't, uh, we don't have somebody that we can say is a perfect libertarian speaker of the house, but uh, he, I believe, has good instincts and a good desire to do this right. He did say he was going to do this and he did it. And Chris, I, I, think, I think this is good. I can't see how it can't be helpful uh, to Trump because people didn't believe in any way uh, what was going on and he wasn't hurt by all these, all these uh, charges made and convictions and indictments and all this. Uh, and they, they've just, I think they've blown their case by uh, making it so absurd. No, no one person would have enough time to commit 95 felonies in a short period of time. But they're still saying up there, 95 uh, felonies, we have to punish them. And, uh, 
he has to, there was one ad, one statement today that said somebody, he needs to be eliminated. Oh, that sounds like, uh, yeah, and they're talking about Trump. And I'm sure it was totally innocent, eliminated from voting. They're trying to do that, which is part of an insurrection if you can't even run for president. So this to me is a big deal. And uh, I think that it's followed through. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully they can quickly you know, just cancel that whole whole charade that went on. The kangaroo court released those people. And uh, when they have the evidence of people doing violence, they can search it out. There probably was. There were, you know, some rowdiness going on. But to describe this as a strategy, and a specific plan to take over the government, uh, that is such a far-fetched. And I think the American people know that. Chris. Right, Dr. Paul. And you know, they don't call it an empire of lies for nothing. Uh, yeah. You know, this January 6th, it just fits with the rest of the story because big government, especially a government the size of ours, which is the biggest ever, uh, it functions and breathes on deceptions. And this is hard for the average American to cope with, to grasp. Because in our normal lives, we don't live with constant lies. We couldn't be able, we couldn't function. You know, we, there, yes, people lie, you deal with it here and there. But when it comes to government, and it's all the time, that's hard for people to accept. And I get it. I, I get that it's hard to accept. Uh, but it really is, you know, especially at this stage in the game. All the wars, COVID lockdowns, the vaccines. January, when Trump was president, it was on steroids. January 6th, Russiagate, it was just one after another after another. And by the time you debunk one, they're already on to the next one. And I remember back in the George W. Bush years, one of his, somebody in the administration <coughs> said, you know, we create our own reality. And then you guys go and you fight about it. And that's what it is. They, they create a false reality. Americans go back and forth, fight about it. The truth comes out, but they're already on to the next one. And Americans really have to get to where the Soviets ended up. And by the time the Soviet Union was on its last leg, the Soviet citizens knew that everything that the government was saying was a lie. They knew it. They didn't believe it anymore. And Americans are not there yet because Americans still believe. Enough do. So, you know, I only have, uh, you know, one piece of advice. Get there faster. Realize that it really is an empire of lies. You know, the, uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that they didn't find evidence of an ins insurrection. And uh, yet it will never be admitted by those who, you know, did this lying that you talk about. And uh, <clears throat> so you, we don't expect that we'll ever have somebody say, oh, we're sorry we did that. We overstepped our bounds. We made a few mistakes, but we got carried away. Forget it. These people have no sense of right and wrong. I, they, they're in the category of nihilistic, at, le at least because they don't believe in politics that there should be a precise definition of right and wrong. If that's the case, they'd all be, essentially all, be very guilty of lying when they take their oath of office, you know. And there's always such a few couple of heads full of those who really work at trying to follow their, uh, the oath of office and obeying the Constitution. But the, the, uh, if you talk about insurrection and breaking the rules, I mean, the opposition, the people that did all this and had the kangaroo court, 
uh, just think of uh, how much abuse of the Department of Justice has gone on during this period of time. And uh, that's something that if you're an insurrectionist, you want to get rid of the Department of Justice. And this is where the American people sort of have a, a, a woke up on it. They, they understand that and, and they see it as unfair. That's why everything they've thrown uh, at Trump and the campaign uh, and, and that uh, that sounded like it was extreme and very bad, and it should be enough to disqualify almost anybody. The more the the more the uh, reputation grew, the more support Trump got. That doesn't mean that Trump's always on the right side and all that. It's just a, it's just interesting to me that with all the power of the courts and the political system that they were in charge with, uh, the opposition were able to take uh, any. If you objected, if you objected to the vote, we want to vote. We want a real, real, real vote count. We we want to make sure all the votes are counted. That you are uh, that you're an insurrectionist because you said, oh, he won't into it. He won't, uh, uh, th th that group won't accept the election. They're trying to overthrow the election, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I think even some people who wouldn't be, you know, uh, solid, uh, very, very powerful type of people that support Trump, I don't think, uh, I think others are looking at this because if they have any brain at all, they're going to say, you know, what would happen if the Republicans take over? Well, they got a taste of it. They took over, you know, even though it's not a very powerful majority in the House. And look at what's happening already. Uh, they, they, they should be embarrassed by this. But that is why they fought tooth and nail. No evidence is to be seen in, in the court. And, uh, and yet, you know, eventually truth, uh, truth wins out in the end. And I think that's what's happening. Sometimes you have to wait uh, a generation to really find out the, uh, the truth. I keep thinking about all this talk about honest elections of what happened in 1948 when, when uh, LBJ stole the Senate race down there. Back there, it, it wasn't decided that it was a stolen election and all the corruption. But history has shown it was terrible, you know, what went on. He became president and uh, he, of course, didn't turn out to be a very great president because uh, he was working with a set of standards that were quite different. So I think this whole idea that, uh, that, that the factions that uh, were demonstrating on the Capitol, they don't believe in democracy. Well, I think they should, the people now who ought to be able to flip that over, now that they've exposed what the, the FBI and others have done, if you want to talk about you know, uh, democracy, of course, we're cautious about how we define democracy and all, but and even in their definition of democracy, it's been underpinned by the fact that, uh, uh, that the, all, all these false accusations have made. And uh, the sooner they release all those people that are still under arrest and suffering from the abuse of the uh, legal profession, the, uh, the justice system, the, the sooner they get released, the, the better. Yes, everybody admits there's probably was some, you know, some violations and civil disobedience and a few things like that. But to, to be an insurrectionist and get away with that, they, they use that all the time. It's time, and this might just really be a real help in getting more truth out. Wait till they see all the documents and maybe people will change their minds uh, that uh, have been bullheaded about saying, oh no, they're insurrectionists. They wanted to take over the government. 
Well, in a way, if you wanted to play a pun on it, that's what elections are all about. We want to take over the government. So it's, it's darn right foolish, but I think this represents a, a nation that's drifting into oblivion, totally bankrupt, without moral standards, operating a, an empire that they can't afford, and this is what they have to spend their time doing. Chris. Right, Dr. Paul, and you know, the, the real tragedy of it is uh, that the people in power believe that they can do what they want and will not pay any penalties for it. And at the moment, that seems to be true. You know, with when you think of the wars, the Iraq war, the Syria war, the, the there's too many of them to even name here. We don't have enough time. Uh, nobody gets punished for them. They, you just move on. When you think of COVID, all that, that may be the biggest one the world has ever seen and just move on. So the people that are doing these things, their egos get even bigger. And, you know, if they get a rush out of it, they may want even something bigger still, you know, because they get, uh, they get to do what they want and not pay the price. You know, and this January 6th is just another one to add onto the pile. Will people actually pay for this? There was a whole January 6th commission. You know, Trump was, he was the one that did all this. Will anybody pay for this? I don't know, but I'm sure that the people in at the top and in power are thinking, you know, we can make this go away somehow. I don't know, but they have seemed to have done it in the past. And this is very dangerous. This is very dangerous for our freedoms because if the people in power don't have to follow any laws, you are not a nation of laws. This is the law of the jungle. It's the, you know, the one who can convince, you know, the mobs to do their bidding. And that's what the media does. And, uh, you know, it's very scary. It's very scary. This is not how the land of the free is supposed to be at all. If anything, the people in power have to be watched over carefully. And we have drifted to the extreme to where they're not. And, you know, so how this goes with this January 6th, will something come of it? I'm sure that a lot of them believe that nothing will come of it. Uh, I guess we'll see. But ultimately, this is like a game of musical chairs. Somebody is going to end up with that chair. Somebody is going to pay the price at, uh, at some point. It can't go on forever, but they're all willing to pass the bag until that moment comes. You know, one person that is not going to let this fade away without an effort to find out a lot more about it, and that's uh, Senator Lee, a good friend of Rand's, because Mike has made a very specific question that he is going to be checking in on this. So that, that is what is necessary, but he does need more support uh, because a lot of this should have been demanded a long time. There has to be so many technicalities that were violated. The whole idea that they weren't allowed to look at these films. I mean, that, that, that is just atrocious that that, that happened. So I, I think in the long run, there's going to be some real benefits from this. And I, I think there's uh, two people, especially the, the Republicans that served on the committee, you know, uh, the commission, uh, they put, uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, they put some reasonable Republicans on. Then they finally say, oh, we, we need uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. We need them. Oh, no, they, they were switched by Pelosi. She says, oh, no, we don't want those Republicans. We'll pick the Republican. 
that and I can't. It's just amazing that there wasn't, you know, a, a, a little bit of a breakthrough by the opposition. Say, hey, you know, guys, you got went a little bit too far. Someday Republicans might have political power, and if if we're setting the standards, what does that mean? Well, unfortunately, that's the way it's operated for a good while. So the standards in Washington D.C. and in the Congress uh, has have been eroding for a long time. But this is an opportunity for a lot of people to reassess things and decide there has to be a better way. Chris? Very good, Dr. Paul. I actually have nothing else on January 6th if you want to go to the next topic that we're going to cover. I think that is a very good idea because that to me, uh, we had two good subjects if you're, we're looking for things that are very important and uh, really in, enlightening. And that has to do with uh, what's happening in, in Argentina. Uh, because somebody who calls himself a libertarian, a and a lot of others say he's a radical libertarian, uh, he has surprised a lot of people by winning the election. He's the president now. He has, uh, you know, some controversies which you can expect, and some accusations by a lot of people who don't like freedom, and they're going after him. But this is this is good. The one thing is, it wasn't like he was uh, getting. Uh, getting winning in the election by hiding everything that he said or what his beliefs were by never saying that he was a libertarian. He didn't back away from it. So when the people were voting, they literally were voting uh, for libertarianism. And uh, of, of course, uh, looking at the record, he's very, very good, but he's not going to be, uh, you know, under the circumstances, it's going to be a tough job to be able to carry out all these libertarian viewpoints because you can look, you can, we can look at his foreign policy, you know, and that will be different. But I recall back in the 70s when there were severe problems coming out of the uh, breakdown of the Bretton Woods, uh, Argentina went way off uh, by spending and deficits. But uh, one of the students of Mises, uh, Hans Senholtz, a professor at Grove City, uh, was making trips down there to lecture and talk about Austrian economics. And I remember that very clearly. And there was a movement going on there, but there was not much follow through. So this is good, but there has to be some follow through. And uh, I, I, think, I think so far, a lot of this has been very, very good because this means that People have heard the word more now than ever before, and <clears throat> they knew what they were uh, voting for. They may, they may be, uh, you know, disappointed the way it works out because nothing's going to go perfectly. I have questions about, you know, how how a country smoothly, the, uh, you know, dollarizes their currency. That is, use the dollar instead of uh, the uh, peso, the Argentine peso. That that. The, that will not be easy. The other, the other thing I have, Chris, that I think has a, is a real challenge. You know, we have, we have a few problems here. I think most people say, like, we spent too much money. The deficit's exploding. The, uh, the, the unfunded liabilities enter the hundreds of trillions of dollars. And loss of personal liberty, managing an empire. How can a country, you know, it's good to look and pick out the good things that we have done. But if, the, if a, a country who wants to improve their situation 
if they, if they use the United States as the model, that's a problem for me. We're trying not to use that model to try to improve what's here. But nevertheless, uh, I, I, I still think that there's a lot of work to be done. And this is an opportunity for more education and at least somebody who's willing to say, there's nothing wrong with being a libertarian. That's what I called myself, and now I'm president. <laughs> Chris. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't fault any of that. You know, this is, uh, I know a lot of libertarians are very excited about this. Uh, and, you know, the the stuff about abolishing central banks and, and he, he hits all the, the good points. Uh, so that was his message, and he's elected, so you can't fault that. Uh, do Argentinians really want what he says? I guess we'll see. Can he actually implement the things that he's saying? Or will they do like what they did with Trump, just mire him in controversy and legalese and just tie, him, tie his hands? Again, I guess we'll see. Uh, the one thing that does rub me the wrong way, when I hear him discuss foreign policy, you know, he sounds like he would be a good fit on the uh, GOP debate stage. Uh, you know, how we, we talked about that. Uh, you know, so his foreign policy and foreign policy is extremely, extremely important. Perhaps the most important because your foreign policy can ruin your nation, whether you're capitalist, socialist. Our nation has been ruined by our foreign policy. So it is extremely important. Uh, so would he act out what he's some of the things he's saying by sending troops or weapons or money? Uh, you know, uh, who knows? But one thing that concerns me is if he follows everything that the U.S. government follows in foreign policy, he could be used for PR purposes. Oh, look, uh, the, 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 the president from uh, Argentina supports this invasion, you know, and he's a Rothbardian. You know, Rothbard would turn over in his grave if he ever heard something like that. So that's one sticking point, as great as his message is. Uh, I, I would like more consistency. <laughs> Non-interventionists, not only at home, but around the world. Right. Uh, you know, he, he does say, he, he touched on the central bank. He's not for a central bank. He want to close that down. But then he wants uh, everybody there to just use dollars. And uh, I think Panama is that way, and they just use dollars, and that's a different type of situation. But, uh, and the transition, I think, is going to be rather rough. But uh, I don't, I haven't read anyway, I haven't heard him mention gold. It's, if he says no central bank, and if start talking about gold, but, you, you know, I'm going to say something very dangerous because I'm going to say there's another country that's doing it differently that seems to be wanting, or at least for publicity's sake, coming out more for free trade and gold. And that happens to be China. They trade with us and they sell us a lot of stuff. We send them a lot of money and they invest it sometimes more wisely than, than uh, our government does. But they... Uh, but if China say they put a lot of their money into gold, so someday they're going to have clout that uh, sneaks up on the world because uh, they may be managing a reserve currency of the world. So that's why, yes, get rid of the central bank. But uh, it's a bigger job to say, yes, we're going to have a peso, but we're going to back it up by gold. The, sh the, the transition there is really very tough when you get a country into so much bankruptcy. But it's going to be really, really tough for us to go on a, on a gold standard, too, because we have so many dollars. And for us to have enough gold to back it is no easy transition uh, to do this. 
because the first thing you'd have to do is uh, cut the spending and don't spend more. Don't put the pressure on the printer on the, those running the printing press. So if you if you don't do that, there's no no transition. So that's the, that's the reason that uh, you know uh, to to believe uh, you know in, in more free trade uh, it would be better because he is uh, uh, you know he's for uh, some uh, some restrictions on trade. But I think it's uh, I think it's still in spite of it all. I think it's a great a great move and there are a lot of ups and downs but uh, right now uh, it's not the solution but it's a step in the right directions and we need to encourage and compliment people when they move in the right direction and it's that momentum that counts because obviously for them to have that revolutionary change in Argentina meant the people there were sick and tired of it and maybe we're getting to that point. So what are we going to do? Are we going to say what we need is more government? And uh, should we spend more time with the United Nations or something? No, we need people to understand what free markets and personal liberty means. Chris, did you have another slide? Yeah, I'll close uh, real quickly, Dr. Paul, just echoing what you're saying. Uh, the people need to be ready for change. It would be great to wave a magic wand and get rid of socialism or rip the band-aid off, get rid of corporatism and you know have free markets. But you know what? If a, if a, a critical mass of the people do not want that, you know, you ripping off that band-aid, it, it'll just go right back to socialism and corporatism. You know, back in the 1850s, I guess it was, Andrew Jackson heroically, he closed the central bank at the time. It was called the Second Bank of the United States. But look, we ended up with the Fed. You know, it comes right back. If the people, that's why knowledge and understanding is so important. And for the opinion molders to hold these views, you know, because if the opinion molders hold the corporatist socialist views, you can get rid of X, Y, Z, and they'll just put it right back and the people won't care. You know, we have the Federal Reserve today, even though Andrew Jackson abolished the central bank back in the 1850s. So it's a very tricky situation. Again, it's, it's great to talk about these things, more people will hear about libertarianism. Uh, but like I said, you know, consistency, the, the host of this show was the consistent one. He was uh, non-intervention overseas and holds held all the views that, uh, you know, uh, for domestically. So, but you know, we, we saw how Dr. Paul was treated when it came time <laughs> for the election. So, but that's, that is the ideal. Until then, we'll take, uh, we'll take the wins as they come. Very nice, Chris. And I, I want to go ahead and uh, finish by just mentioning that uh, the people in Argentina had changed their minds about their leadership, and their biggest complaint was inflation and standard of living. The people who were still receiving enough uh, government money to, to pay, pay for some rents and food, uh, they're, ag they're against these changes. But the majority of the people finally realized this is not a bad, this is not a good system, and, and it has to change, and that's why they, they went along with it. But they, they recognized where the problem was, but our country and our people now are recognizing that problem. Uh, they're, they're saying, yeah, prices are too high, we need the government to help us. But our goal ought to be, uh, I, is to give the answer 
and not just say yes. They don't. They want. Uh, uh, they they want uh, you know more from the government because prices are too high. How can we eat? And we have to depend on the government. And yes, we have to keep our national defense high because we would be destroyed if we didn't have our empire. You know, on and on with that nonsense. And uh, this is this is the big thing. Is we need a lot more concentration. We, yes, we need to concentrate and talk about why, why prices are high. And they're not high because of profiteering, and they're not high because of labor unions. They're not high for you know, the fact that we don't have enough, uh, you know, that we have too much free trade, all that stuff. People need to know these reasons for doing it, and uh, they will come around to it, but we need to put more emphasis on what are the qualities of the principles that uh, can be used to defend peace and prosperity. And that, too, for me, is personal liberty. We were introduced to those principles a long time ago. We did well, but in the last hundred years, we've let it disintegrate and drift away from us. So our job now is restore the confidence in what personal liberty is all about. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.